You're listening to Kitchen Table Finance. Join Dave Shotwell and Nick Nauta as they cut through the complexity of financial planning and serve bites of investment advice that are both personal and practical. Hey, Dave, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Nick. How are you? Podcast Friday. Podcast Friday. Love it. Let's do this. So uh, I'm curious, Dave, last year we did our predictions of the 2022 calendar year. And one of the things that you said was your favorite episode of 2021 was prediction season. So I'm curious if that was your favorite episode of last year. <laughs> well, it's funny because, you know, when when we first were looking at our calendar of what we were going to talk about and you said, oh, we got to cover predictions from, I was like, oh, crud, that's going to be ugly. But, you know, in retrospect, first of all, I think I was maybe a little better than I thought I was. And yeah. second of all, Part of, you know, we, we talked about this last year and the year before that when we make, when we have a predictions podcast, you and I are doing it somewhat tongue in cheek, right? We're basically poking at the fact that we're in an industry where everybody loves to make bold predictions. Right. And there's not a lot of accountability around what happens. Yeah, it's, it's like gambling with somebody else's money. It doesn't really matter. Right, right, right. Well, <laughs> we need to be careful with that. But uh, but uh, so, yeah, you know, I, I think uh, if nothing else, we're at least filling that void of saying, hey, you know, we put these we put these ideas out there a year ago. Let's see how we did. And uh, let's see what, what the broader, you know, it's, it's a pretty common question from cl- for, for clients in December and January to say to us, well, what do the people that you follow say? What are, you know, what are the predictions for this mm-hmm. year? Uh, who do you listen to and what are, what are they telling you? What should we be ready for? Right. And, and so, you know, we've got a sampling of some of the major investment banks and sources out there, and we can look at what they predicted last year to give an idea of, of what these, how meaningful these predictions are. And we can talk about what they said for, for the coming year too, but it almost seems silly when you look at it in retrospect. Yeah. You know, it, it's, uh, it, it is a challenging thing to predict the stock market to say the least. So with that, Dave, let's kind of start with, uh, what our predictions were last year at this time. Um, so you went out on a limb and said that you thought the S and P 500 was going to be up about 5%. I came in around 6%. So we were <laughs> Both very close on our predictions. However, uh, the end result did not, was not favorable toward our, our predictions. No, we were, we were close together, but not close to reality. Uh, the S&P opened 2022 at 4,766 and ended at 3839. That's a, um, boy, doing math in my head here. Well, it's a Not negative good. return. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and our, our idea was, you know, so so part of what I think what I think when I want to talk about predictions is, you know, sometimes the absolute number isn't as important as the tone or the trajectory. And, you know, thinking and you know, this is going to sound like justification in retrospect, right? But I, my thought process at the time is we've had, you know, three years in a row where returns were way higher than anyone would expected. Mm-hmm. Things have to slow down. 
And right. I didn't really necessarily think they were going to be negative, ugly, or as uh, tough as they were. But I also wasn't expecting 18, 20% kind of returns either. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and one of the other things that you said that did come true, Dave, was that there would be a 10% or more drop in the S&P 500. Yeah, yeah. And, and uh, you know, at the beginning of... Uh, of last year, the beginning of 2022, we were just starting to feel the effects of inflation. You know, we'd mm-hmm. seen some ugly numbers start to come in in the fall, but they hadn't really affected the economy yet or the market. And then we started to, to really kind of feel that bite. And so that, that part came true. Maybe not, you know, I'm, I probably, I'm along with, you know, everyone else. And I will, we'll talk about what some of the major banks were saying underestimated what it might mean, but, uh, but the tenor of it was right. Well, not, not only the, uh, the major banks, but also the Fed. I mean, at that point, the yeah. Fed hadn't even talked about raising interest <laughs> rates yet. So yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then too bad about missing the ball on inflation. Yeah. Throughout the year, we have factors. unprecedented, you know, and, and I always come back and again, in retrospect, everything's obvious, but there's an old adage in amongst investors, don't fight the Fed, right? Right. And so when the Fed is raising rates, the market's going to be lousy. And when the Fed is lowering rates, the, the market will ultimately, you know, turn around. And uh, it's just that you don't know what the Fed's going to do before they do it usually. Right, right. So, well, it's, uh, you know, one of those predictions that we had two years ago that we kind of have every year is that something will happen that will make you think <laughs> you should sell, right? <laughs> right, right. And that's, yeah, when we talk about our, our tongue and cheek approach to uh, investing, you know, something happens literally every day that should make you think you should sell right. your investments. <laughs> that's, that's, that's the name of the game. So, indeed. Um, yeah. So a couple of other predictions that we had, um, one of them was that international markets would outpace uh, U.S. markets. And uh, mm-hmm. I think outpace was the wrong word, but they definitely lost less than uh, U.S. markets last year. So right. to some degree, yeah, that did come true. It, it was true in a, in a sense of relative performance. Um, which I guess is another way of saying outpacing. It just doesn't feel right to say it that way. Yeah. But, but, and, and that, so that's purely based on, you know, when we were looking at things over the last several years, we've seen international markets lag U.S. markets. Mm-hmm. And eventually that had to change. And I guess, you know, the marker in the sand I was trying to make last January was maybe this will be the year that we finally see valuations on European stocks catch up with or, you know, international developed stocks catch up with our domestic markets a little bit. And, and we did see that a, a little. Yeah, you know, that was definitely part of it, right? Like the reason they probably didn't go down as much is because they hadn't come up as high. Not right. necessarily right. that, you know, companies <laughs> right. were stronger. European, right. you know, the, the European Union was stronger in a stronger economic position. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, the blind squirrel gets the nut every now and then, right? Got one. Um, <laughs> another thing that we said last year, or you said, Dave, was that small companies will also outperform large U.S. stocks this year. Yeah. And again, same kind of concept there is, you know, historically, small company stocks have outpaced large company stocks historically, if you back up far enough. But over the last, you know, decade or so, hmm, 
maybe maybe being a little loose, but you know, the last several years anyway, recent memory, it's been the large company growth stocks that have driven the domestic market. And again, just looking at how expensive those stocks were compared to U.S. Uh, small companies, um, there was a there was a gap there that was getting wider, and eventually that gap has to narrow. So that was all that was looking at valuations. So another check in the, uh, we got it right box. I'll take it. I'll take it. (laughs) You know, we we take our wins and our losses um, (laughs) and do what we can. And and, uh, one other, following up on one other prediction, and I I probably should have thought about making this prediction before I did, because I have no idea how to really quantify whether we got it right or not. But um, Mm -hmm. one of the things that I thought we would see more of is, blockchain and the blockchain technology kind of changing things in the financial industry. And I couldn't really tell you if we got further ahead on that or not. Yeah, um, that's that's interesting because with all the all the tumult in the um the cyber currencies, you know, the cryptos, Bitcoins, yeah. the world, cryptos. Yeah, we've seen we've seen it kind of erode the uh, you know, the bloom is off the rose a little bit there. Mm-hmm. And the underlying technology of blockchain that that drives those ideas still has lots of applications beyond cryptocurrencies, right? And uh, yeah, I, I we still have, I think, yet to see the full potential there. As a side note, though, and I don't want to go too far down this rabbit hole, I, I saw a couple of interesting articles around Christmas time that talked about some of the other uses of crypto and they're not working out as well as, or not crypto, I'm sorry, of blockchain. Mm-hmm. And they're not working out as well as some folks had thought. And yeah. the main one I'm thinking of is about logistics. Okay. And so one of the ideas of, of one of the applications of blockchain technology was to be able to follow like a part all the way through, like from the whole manufacturing process through the delivery to an end user. And that blockchain, because of the data involved, could actually track like this widget that was made in Germany that was put into the, you know, a, a bearing of a car in France that was then a set, you know, that would be able to follow this complicated thing. And they, and like Mayers, one of the big shipping companies was, was involved in that. And uh, IBM and a couple other companies. And what they're finding is in application, it doesn't work the way they had hoped yet, yet, despite big, um, investments from some of these companies, because if any one of the suppliers doesn't follow along, the whole thing yeah. just, and so while the, while like Maersk, the big shipping company has tried to implement it, if they can't get everybody in the whole chain to do it, it doesn't play out right. So yeah. anyway, that's a, that's a I wonder if wonky, they can, uh, I wonder if they can do that for my luggage. Seems to be a big problem these days is finding luggage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm telling you, you know, I I would tell you my solution to that, but they'd probably take away my CFP credentials if I told you just, uh, you know, throw what you need in a backpack, carry it on the plane and take your credit card and buy stuff when you get there. But, um, you know, that's maybe not the the right answer for this show. So I'm curious, Dave, how um, some of the, we talked about some of the companies last year, some of the big investment yeah. firms that made predictions. Yeah. I'm curious how they actually fared as well, since we've yeah. uh, beat ourselves up about our poor uh, projections. What, uh, what are some of the, how did some of the big boys do? 
So, so, and we've got to give a shout out to our friend Mario Nardone at, uh, at uh, East Bay for putting this together. But he looked at Oppenheimer, Credit Suisse, JP Morgan, Bank of America, Goldman Sachs, and Morgan Stanley, and what their predictions were for the S&P 500 at the end of 2022. So out of all of those, only Bank of America and Morgan Stanley predicted that the S&P would be negative instead of positive. <laughs> the rest of them all thought returns would be positive. None of them, including Morgan Stanley and Bank of America, were within 10% of where wow. the market actually ended up. So pretty abysmal. And many of them were off, like the, the uh, Oppenheimer, they predicted yep. that S&P would close at 53.30 at the end of 2022. It closed at 38.39. They were off by 28%. Yeah. Credit Suisse, not much better. They were off 26%. And uh, yeah, just not um, not a lot of accuracy going on there. So you're saying we didn't do so bad. <laughs> I, I feel a lot better after looking at this that, hey, you know, and, you know, here we are like talking about it, right? I looked right. through each of these banks' uh, projections for 2023, which mm-hmm. we'll get to in a second here. But not a single one of them even mentioned, you know, by the way, we were off by 28% last year. So, hey, maybe you don't even want to read any further. <laughs> right. This was a great assault. We're not very yeah, good at this. <laughs> yeah. So, so this year, though, the predictions are much more um, muted. And uh, JP Morgan has the S&P closing up at uh, 4,200. So that's about a 10% growth. Oppenheimer... 4,400. Oh, and I should mention, you know, the market closed 2022 at 38.39. The S&P did. So, you know, these are, those are still pretty good growth trajectories. Bank of America, only slight growth up to about 4,000. And then Goldman Sachs and Morgan Stanley basically are saying the market's going to close right about where it started at the end of the year. Well, for our sake, let's, uh, Let's hope that they're off by the same margin, just in the other direction, <laughs> right? right? <laughs> yeah, right, right. Well, and, and, you know, yeah, there's just not a lot of, um, they, they each, you know, have their own, you know, 20 page document justifying how they got to these conclusions. But, uh, you know, there won't be a lot of uh, introspection afterwards. Yeah, do they put uh, out 28 page documents on why they were wrong? <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. What, what did we miss? So, you know, some of the more important things like trends that are, that people are looking at for this year, you know, on the, on the good side, we're seeing inflation start to abate and, and we got good numbers here. Uh, it's early January and we got good numbers for uh, December readings that, that tend to, tend to support that, you know, and the, and the unemployment is still very strong, but mm-hmm. just about every economist out there feels that there's a significant slowdown or a recession on the near-term horizon. Yeah. And so, you know, that's kind of, kind of built into the cards right now. You know, as, as you uh, like to say every year, it's the uh, market will go up and it'll go down. Those are the, those are the right. guarantees that we'll make, right? <laughs> right. Yep. It'll be up and down. And uh, there will be times when something will happen that will make you think you should just quit altogether. That's the nature of the game. But, you know, when, when clients talk to us and they say, well, everybody says there's a recession coming, 
you know, what, what does that mean in terms of what should we do? And, and again, you know, everybody's saying it. These are the same people that, you know, some of them are the same people that told you the S and P 500 was going to be up, you know, 10% to 20% last year and we're down, you know, or off by 28% in their predictions. So, so just keep in mind predicting the trajectory of the economy as a whole is no easier than predicting the market itself and how the market will react to news is anybody's guess. My gut feeling, and I, I hate to you know put this in terms of predictions, but we're going to see volatility if we get into you know true recession numbers and economic indicators. But that doesn't necessarily mean that the market will end up much lower or much different. Mm-hmm. We just may go through, you know, these periods where the, the Dow's down or the S&P 500's down a lot based on today's news. But a lot of those expectations at this point, if everybody, if everybody's saying that there's a recession coming, right. what we know is all built into the price of the market right now. You right. know, the, what, what will move the market is the surprise. Exactly. So, so if it's a surprise, it may make a difference on the day the surprise becomes news, but in the, you know, coming weeks that'll wash itself out. So, yeah, yeah. absolutely. That's, you know, the, the impending recession that everybody's predicting is the last thing that really, you know, is going to keep me up at night. It's the stuff that we have no idea about. Right. And that really makes me worried. Um, You know, sometimes that stuff is a big deal and sometimes it's not in the short run. In the long run, usually it's just another uh, bullet point we can put on one of our market charts, right? There's plenty of argument on both sides in terms of whether, you know, what degree will the recession begin, you know, at, at what point and, and what's the magnitude. And again, you know, it's the surprises that move the market, whether, whether you know, if you take the consensus and it turns out not to be as bad, the market will obviously react positively. If you take the consensus and it ends up being worse, will it'll be negative. but you know, trying to predict and guess that is a fool's errand. Indeed. That being said, Dave, uh, you're going to make a prediction for 2023. Yes. <laughs> Opportunities for me to look foolish next January. So, uh, I, okay. So, what do I want to say about this year? I fall probably more in the camp with Goldman Sachs and Morgan Stanley for 2023. I think we may see some headaches in the uh, short run, but I bet we end up the year either close to where we are, or maybe slightly positive. Okay, I need to hang a number on that. That is up to you, my friend. Uh, let's say forty-one hundred on the S and P at the end of the year. All right, deal. I am a little bit more optimistic. I'm an eternal optimist, Dave. So I'm going to go with, uh, we'll call it 12% for the S&P 500 this year. Okay. So I also agree with you. I think we are going to continue to see volatility as this thing plays out. I think we're going to continue to see the Fed increase interest rates, albeit slower than they have in the past. I think mm-hmm. inflation will come down, but I think it's going to be a slow, long process uh, rather than a quick one, which is kind of what we've seen the last couple months. Also on my list, Dave, I think that international stocks continue to outperform 
just due to the yeah. valuations and kind of what's happening over there. I also think that we're going to continue to see these tech layoffs and, and performance in the tech industry continue to lag this year. And, and you know, I got to I also want to say that I think the crypto, crypto fallout, the whole FTX thing will mm-hmm. continue. I'm not saying there's going to be another FTX, but I think that once we start peeling back the layers of what happened with FTX, we're going to start seeing more of these crypto companies looked at a little bit with a little bit bigger magnifying glass and yeah. really open up yeah. some things maybe in, because there's not a lot of regulation going on. That's, I wouldn't be surprised that, yeah. to see more fallout from that. Yeah, I've had that thought too, that you know, part of the attraction to cryptocurrencies was the lack of regulation for some people or you know, the, the, mm-hmm. like this idea that it was not run by a government and, you know, right. And it, but what we really have in crypto is a crisis of faith, right? Yeah. Absolutely. So what, what, what would reestablish faith so that people buy, because people have to buy the currencies to push the price back up. That doesn't, I, 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 I would predict that that doesn't happen until you start to see some kind of regulation that's meaningful to people. Yeah. So I, I don't know if I want to count that as a year prediction, but. I would add that we see things get back to normal in terms of the relationship to stocks and bonds. And that was, that was one of the most painful things about 2022 as a portfolio manager and working with clients is that stocks were down and bonds were down because of the, the driving forces behind the markets. And I think we'll start to see that kind of come back to a more normal relationship where if the economy's bad for stocks, we'll see bonds behave much better and help offset some of that damage and vice versa. Yeah, that was, uh, that was a, a tough pill to swallow last year. And so that would be welcome news to, uh, to have bonds continue to or, or start again to play that role of buffer in portfolios when needed. Well, that's all I've got, Dave. So unless you've got any other, you know, that's plenty of room to make us look foolish next year. That's right. So. That's right. We got we got Good. plenty of things for sure. So uh, hopefully you found this interesting, and uh, next year we'll we'll see how we look. Uh, but hopefully, twenty twenty three is a great year for everyone. Thanks, Dave. Thanks, Nick. Talk to you later. Gather round and follow the Kitchen Table Finance Podcast to learn about money and simple ways you can invest right now. You can find more practical advice at srbadvisors.com and contact the team for personal planning by emailing info at srbadvisors.com.